from you this morning. Let's put it in the key of B flat. And let's sing that song. We're going to try a new one here. Those of you who know it, just help me out. Sing it really loud. And let's sing that song, Goodness of God. I thought of this song last night as uh, John was ministering, and I thought it fit perfectly for this weekend. So, And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am goodness of God. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up, Till I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Just sing it now, now. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God. I love your voice, and you have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. life you have been so, so good, with every breath that I am able, and I will see of your goodness of God. Now just sing it like this. Oh, now your goodness is running after It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. One more time. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, 
It's running after me With my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running after me And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so the goodness of God. Just sing this one more time, real quiet now. Oh, now and all my life you have been faithful. Oh, now all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am Of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Amen. Let's sing that song, Shout to the Lord now, same key. Now, my Jesus and my Savior. Lord, there is none like you in all of my days. I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. In my comfort. There 
service now if the musicians would continue to play and we'll uh, go to the Lord with our needs real quick and after I do that I'll hand it over to Brother Barry here he has a quick announcement and then we'll continue on and at this time too uh, I'm going to ask the ushers if they would come forward at the end of these prayer requests as well we just want to remember uh, Brother Danny Florian this morning who is still recovering we want to remember Brother Josh and Sister Kristen who are away as well and if we could just continue to remember Brother Soriano this morning as well in the Philippines. A lot of these requests are from last night as well. And uh, if we could just remember uh, Brother here who is in the hospital with double pneumonia. It's uh, Brother Ben Norod. Thank you. So if we could just remember him. And uh, if we could just uh, remember uh, the Cobbs who are not doing very well this morning. They're very sick. So if we could just remember them. I also have a prayer request for a, a little five-month-old uh, girl who is in the daycare that Sister Jackie Whitlock works at. Uh, her name is Jojo, and uh, she is in the hospital, very sick with uh, RSV. So if we could just remember her in prayer. And also I have here that um, uh, Sister Elizabeth Goddersted has a court appearance on Thursday and uh, has asked to be remembered this morning. So if we could just remember her in prayer today. And uh, I'll ask, I'll go ahead and ask Brother Barry if he'll come this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to worship you, Lord, this morning. Bless the tithes, the offerings, Lord, may it be used for its intended purpose. And Father, we pray for these needs, especially these serious needs, Lord, that have been brought before us today. We believe you are a prayer-answering God. Lord, have your way, we pray. Minister to each and every heart, every soul that's gathered today. And we'll give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. 
I wanted to put a couple of things just up front here because we have our choir to sing and we have a couple of other things that we want to do this morning and we just want to flow right into the service with Brother Paul. Um, I wanted to mention this morning that uh, we are delighted to have Sister Karen with us today and Sister Karen, it's your birthday, isn't it? You didn't know that, but today is your birthday. God bless you. We appreciate Sister Karen very much. September 7th is Sister Mary Smith's birthday and we miss the, uh, the Smiths. September 10th is the Ivy's anniversary, right? How many years? Billy had to check there. How many? 20 years? Really? 28 years. Wonderful. God bless you. Appreciate the Ivies. And Sister Doris Reynolds' uh, birthday, right? On the same day, September 10th. 9-11 is a special day in our memory because that is the birthday of Brother Anwar Javed. It is the birthday of Brother Mark Sylvester. And it's also the birthday of Sister Leah Mayo. And may God bless all of them. wanted to mention also uh, Sister Crystal Akers uh, has the virus, and she asked this morning that if we could remember uh, her in prayer. Just had a very uh, difficult week up our way. Uh, I need your attention just for a second here. I want to make an announcement to you. We have been working diligently on our uh, Sunday school uh, format over the Last year and a half or so, we have not had uh, Sunday school uh, because of our restrictions and so forth. But we are going to begin on September 19th. So I wanted to share with you how this is going to work. This is going to affect all of you, okay, whether you're in Sunday school or not. And uh, we have uh, a layout here where we're going to have Sunday school every Sunday. If you look at the map, this is pretty self-explanatory. So in the classroom back out here is Sister Rachel Pritchard, and her group is from three to five years old. We'll have, if, if you're not sure what group you're in, you can certainly check with your teacher. Class number four is going to be in the cafeteria, or cafeteria, the kitchen back here, and that's going to be taught by Brother Peter Coffey and Reverend Aaron Nangamaza. And they're going to be sharing that class from 13 to 17.5 back in the uh, Sunday school uh, kitchen back here. In the fellowship hall, class number two is Sister Julia, and she's going to have a partition there that's going to give her a little uh, kind of a classroom. All of the Sunday school classes will have their own little classroom, and they're set up uh, that they'll be able to continue to have week to week. It's their own own space. And then class number three is Sister Laura's class, the 8 to 12, and they're also going to be in the fellowship hall uh, as well out there. Now, in order to do this, we're going to start September 19th, and that will be, Lord willing, next Sunday I'll be in Ukraine, and then after that on the 19th, we'll start our Sunday school. All classes will begin 10.15 a.m. every morning, every Sunday morning. Okay, we'll do it on a, a consistent basis. In order to facilitate that, I'm going to ask you that kids would show up on their time for the beginning of class and go right to their assigned classroom. Teachers will be there and they'll have enough time to get the kids oriented and then have their lesson and then uh, go on from there. But we're going to ask you to, uh, to be there on time. In order to facilitate everybody getting there on time, we're going to do something extraordinary. And the extraordinary thing is this, that we always had church at 10.30 in the morning because we had two services on Sunday. But because we have one service on Sunday, we're going to move church start time to 11 o'clock instead of 10.30. Starting September 19th, we're going to move it to 11 o'clock. 
So our Sunday school will then be able to start 10:15, and it really doesn't represent a shift very much for everyone in the church because uh, that's kind of a time when everybody arrived anyway. So I'm doing that. Well, not everyone, but uh, do, I, I'm doing that so that we can have everybody uh, without having to come much earlier uh, for the Sunday school classes. Okay, so starting September 19th, we're going to begin church at 11. Okay, so it'll be a half hour later, and that will allow all of these Sunday school classes to uh, to be able to uh, go on at their scheduled time. Okay, so if you have any questions, you're certainly welcome to let me know. The other wild card in this is my class, because that's a wild group, and so I'm going to deal with them. Uh, we'll deal with that uh, group separately, okay? That's the older ones. But uh, everybody has their... Uh, place and this is we're, we're, we're going to adjust based on how this works but uh, I put a high value on this because uh, I think it's very important for our young people for our kids all the way from three years old and up and so Lord willing uh, we want to uh, put this in place and then um, build on it as we go we appreciate the teachers and their willingness and their efforts already in getting things set up and uh, we are asking now for parents uh, in doing their part, getting their kids here on time and uh, uh, having them ready f- uh, to go for their classes. Okay? Got any questions? Let me know later on. Right after service today, we have a meal prepared for everybody. And uh, we have service tonight at 5 with Brother John again. And then we have a, a snack after service. Really enjoyed the service last night. Really enjoyed the snack after last night. The fire. It was just a real blessing to have that back again. And Uh, It's just great if we only had a permanent fireplace. But anyway, uh, let's stand to our feet. Let's sing every praise to our God. Let's sing that this morning. We're going to turn it right back to Mitchell here. Didn't mean to interrupt the flow of worship, but we're going to give it right back to him. And may God bless you this morning. Every praise is to our God. Every praise, every praise now is to our God.
Come on now. Sing hallelujah to our God and glory. Hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise now is to our God. God of my Savior, He's my deliverer. Oh, now, yes, He is, yes, He is. He's God, my Savior. Excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Now get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. And get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. And Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. about things that really aren't important at all. You talk about weather, you talk about problems we have here at home and abroad. But friend, I'm excited about a solution for the world. I'm gonna shout and sing that Jesus Christ is still the King of peace. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Oh, get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. And Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. Sing that again now. So now just get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. And get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. And get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. And Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. Amen. Well, now I'm in this church, this glorious church. I did not join, no, I was born. I had a new birth. Some glorious day, gonna celebrate. By His grace, not by my works I'm in this church But I'm in this church This glorious church I did not join I was born, I had a new birth And some glorious day Gonna sell away It's by His grace, not by my works I'm in this church Oh, and I 
glorious church. I did not join. I was born. I had a new boot. I'm in this church, oh, this glorious church. I did not join, oh, I was born, I had a new birth. And some glorious day will sail away. It's by His grace, not by my works, I'm in this church. So again as the choir comes up I didn't want to stop in the middle of it but as the choir comes let's just sing that uh, just a few more so choir go ahead and start coming up now just a few more weary days and then
die. Oh, now I'll not die. Hallelujah, by and by.
over to Brother Barry here, and let's sing that song, Amazing Grace. Oh, now amazing grace, how sweet the sound that
morning. God bless you, each one. We greet you in the name of the Lord. You may be seated just a minute, and it's good to be back in Hickory again and back in the red dirt down here. It's always so beautiful, the mountains and, and uh, all that you guys get to enjoy, and we appreciate it so much, and we're just it's good to be back in fellowship again. And I'm going to have my wife and my daughter come. We'll sing one song this morning and uh, <clears throat> just do that. And I just wanted to say how beautiful the building looks after remodeling. Um, I don't mind complimenting you all that it's such a beautiful place. You did a lot of great work to it, and it's just wonderful. And it's always beautiful to see the desire and the people to make a beautiful house of the Lord. I think it's a nice thing and uh, something in the heart of the people, so we appreciate it. Got to enjoy your pastor a few weeks ago at our church. I certainly worked him harder than what he's working me this weekend. He just gave me one service. I think I had him do three, and so we wore him out pretty good. Uh, But um, we like to keep him in action, you know, so he doesn't get too old. And uh, But uh, we had a good time with him. He's really a benefit to the church and just a blessing to all of us, as he always is. But we hadn't been able to have each other. So I had a degree to come to this weekend since he came our way. So it's good to be back in fellowship with you and see the familiar faces. And also wanted to say thank the Lord for the, uh, the great work that your church is doing uh, in the books and uh, the explosion of... Uh, just the demand. Uh, It's just amazing to see. No one would have ever dreamed some of the demand that's around the world for books and to see your pastor trying to get to fulfill that and to put the uh, coordination together to be able to get it done. Uh, We appreciate him and his work of the Lord and all that that God is doing through him and I know that this is maybe the final wrap up to get this word to as many as we can. And we want to be a part of that as a church. And we've joined in with him financially in every way we can because we believe that we're in the closing times. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, I just wanted to say that uh, last year was a trying time for all of us with the COVID. and We couldn't do a lot of things. But there was a lot of good things that came out of last year for our church. And I'm sure here you enjoyed the same things. But we we just had a real move of God in the church and a real revival. The times we could meet, it was just real good. And God did a lot of mighty things, and we don't have time to share those testimonies. But, you know, when the devil tries to strike in something that looks like it's going to be bad, God always has something good that comes from it. And uh, we, so he had a lot of things. And one of the things that we got done <clears throat> through that time last year was uh, I had always wanted to do a... a a recording with my kids and uh, all their lives I wanted to do that never got it done now uh, there's one married and gone and two getting ready to finish college and one just starting college and she's 18 this morning and so I finally you know just before they all leave the house I get this album done with my kids should have done it a long time ago but I finally finished that last year and uh, I have some of those CDs here and um, I thought we would do one song off of the uh, that this morning, and it's all family-related themes. Once you do that one, um, <clears throat> Lord, please bless this family because she has a little bit more throat than I do this morning. And uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, I should have the whole crew here this morning, but they're busy finishing their last few weeks. Uh, Solomon and Gideon finishing their last few semesters of college, and uh, so I told them to stay home because I really want them to get that done. <laughs> so the bills coming in for college will be over. So I told them to stay. But normally we'd have the whole crew up here and singing, and we did that on the album. But um, we have some of those, and it's a family-related themes. These songs I've been wanting to get out for years 
that are related to the family. We believe that, as I think Brother John was mentioning last night, that the presence of the Lord and what we have not only affects us at church, but affects our marriages and our families and how we raise our children. And so we're thankful that you, you have a pastor here that supports that as well. So this is a little bit faster one, but this is the first one, and we'll just do this this morning before we preach. So let's see how this works. And I paid so much for all these musicians, I might as well use them here as a soundtrack this morning. Amen. Can I have a microphone? Should I use this one? Do you have an extra one? Go ahead. bless our family help us live in harmony let your holy presence fill our home we believe your word is true we'll put you first in all we do standing on the promise faithfully so lord please bless our family Lord, please bless our family, help us live in harmony, let your holy presence fill our home. We believe your word is true, we'll put you first in all we do, standing on the promise faithfully, so Lord, please bless our family. God called Abraham away to a land of his own, to the promise of his day. And he obeyed and followed true. God said, I'll be blessing you. There is is following that way. Lord, please bless our family. Help us live in harmony. Let your holy presence fill our home. We believe your word is true. We'll put you first in all we do. Standing on the promise faithfully. Faithfully. So Lord, please bless our family. That in the times we live today, marriages and families are falling by the way. But God has promised He will bless those who live in holiness, and there is hope in the promise of today. Lord, please bless our family. Help us live in harmony. Let your holy presence fill our home. We believe your word is true. We'll put you first in all we do. Standing on the promise faithfully. Faithfully. So Lord, please bless our family. Standing. Standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Oh, oh, standing, standing. Lord, please bless our family. 
help us live in harmony. Let your holy presence fill our home. Oh, we believe your word is true. We'll put you first in all we do. Standing on the promise faithfully. So, Lord, please bless our family. Yes, Lord. So, Lord, please bless our family. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's stand together if you would. God bless you all. Good to be in fellowship, as I said this morning, and may God bless our families. Amen. Amen. With the token in our home and what God has blessed us with, and I'm thankful for my family this morning and thankful for my granddaughter. As After Barry bragged all those years about grandchildren, I uh, finally have one of my own, and it's pretty nice, pretty nice. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Seen a million pictures of his, and I finally show him pictures of mine and get him back a little bit. Amen. Let's turn, if you would, to Jonah this morning, Jonah chapter 3, and I just wanted to say how much I really enjoyed last night, and Brother John, and just the, the depth of what uh, he had to say, and we just want to comment on that here in just a minute when we read our text. We appreciate the, the deep work that the Lord is doing in our lives, and uh, we had a subject yesterday just prepared, and after last night, the Lord just switched our direction a little bit. So we just want to join in with what the Holy Spirit is flowing in and what he's teaching us. And uh, we know that the Lord has something in mind for us this morning. Let's just read Jonah chapter 4. Usually uh, we read the first of Jonah's life and we're very familiar with what took place in the beginning of his life and the first chapter as it was of his life. But the second chapter or the fourth chapter and the second chapter of his life is what I want to speak on this morning. And at the end of chapter 3, we find the Ninevites who the message came through through Jonah. They repented. And uh, here at verse 10 in chapter 3, verse 10, and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. You can imagine just such a strange response from a believer. Uh, And you remember Brother Bram said he was a believer. He wasn't what we try to make Jonah. But actually, we can all be listening to the sermon this morning because Brother Bram says Jonah is an example of us all. And if he said an example of us all, that means all of us. And so this is a strange response, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. If you if you just want to notice something, there's so many points from Jonah, I won't get to all of them this morning, but... As I read along here, I see things that he was able to acknowledge the mercies of the Lord to forgive and give compassion to the people who received the message. But he himself was not able to offer the same compassion. So he even acknowledged it in his mind, but he didn't have something. He needed something deeper in his life. 
Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. This guy's a mess. And, and notice God's doing all of this. God prepared the comfort and convenience, and then God took the convenience away. And this guy's a mess because one moment he's happy, and the next moment he's ready to kill himself. Came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. And then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city wherein are more than six score thousands persons that cannot discern between the right hand and their left and also much cattle? And that's how the book of Jonah ends, which is very mysterious and very strange. So let's pray and ask the Lord if he'd help us to see some of it this morning. Heavenly Father, we've just really enjoyed, Lord, coming to your house today in the presence of the Lord and the the choir and the songs. Sure appreciate, Lord, when people give their gifts to you to bless others and invite your presence. And we're thankful to be here today in Hickory. Our friend, Brother Barry, Sister Becky, Lord, to have time with them again. Brother John, Lord, and hearing his ministry and the effectiveness of it, Lord, we're just so grateful to have friends like these and ministers like these and a body of Christ like this. We're so grateful for it. We pray you'll bless the word this morning. We pray you'll help us and we just lend our gift in the bride of Christ. We lend our little part, Lord, that we could be a contribution and edification to the church. We pray that you'll bless the church at home this morning. Brother Brandon, as he ministers the word, I pray there'll be just a move of God there and here as well and around the world, Lord, as your word is taught and preached to your people. We're thankful, Lord, to be here. And Father, may we take these next few moments and listen to your voice and hearken to your voice. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. I want to welcome uh, Becca's friend this morning, uh, Amy Dennison. I probably got the wrong last name now, right? Got it right, Amy Dennison, a college friend. Haven't seen each other for 25 years or so, but it's good to have you. God bless you. Let's give her a hand this morning. Amy Dennison. Amen. Now, did she completely finish college? You're the only witness that would know that. I was just checking to see if she finished. She said she did to me, but I was just checking. Just barely, okay. Amen. Good to have you and all of our visitors. God bless you. You may be seated. We certainly enjoyed the the word last night. And, um, you know, I I would only comment on uh, just something that would go along with that, in that in the last full sermon of Brother Branham, the last full sermon is called Leadership. And uh, I believe uh, uh, that's a subject that Brother Bram taught or something he preached at the end there.
But it's, it's a subject that shows something of what Brother John broke to us last night. And, you know, the prophet, uh, as he laid out that last message, and he, he had made a comment at the beginning, and he, he said, I've been, now I've been laying in the message and, and talking about the message all along. But he said, tonight I'm going to take a different approach. And he took a different approach of the rich young ruler. And he got into that subject of just laying, he said, I've been laying out the message, but tonight I'm going to take a different approach, which is what I felt like last night our brother took. And uh, we realized that the first point about leadership is that he was breaking to us, Brother Bradham, that that subject of leadership and that thought was perfect to end on as he his life would be over, that we would need leadership more than anything else. Because none of us thought we would be here another 60, 70 years. Can you say amen? And one of the key things that his bride would need is true Holy Ghost leadership. So what a perfect subject because a lot of people thought, what are we going to do now? He's gone. We don't have any leadership. That's a lie because the Holy Spirit never leaves his people. And God would provide leadership to his people. But the other thing that I wanted to mention is to, about it is that in that message, he takes and separates a good man with a good upbringing uh, and did all the right things and was in all the right atmospheres. And as our brother was saying last night, he, you know, the rich young ruler, he had all of that. And he, Jesus said, have you done all the commandments? He says, I've done all the commandments. I've done all those things. So he, he represented, and it's interesting, Brother Bram would take somebody who represented as having all those things in the upbringing and doing all the right things. And yet Brother Branham takes in that message and he separates having all the right things and have it all right in your mind and living it right from the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what he does in that message. He separates that from the person and says you could have all of that and not have the person of eternal life. And I think that was a very strong thing that he wanted to lay in because there was a lot of moves of God going on and the message was going on and all these other things. But looking ahead to the future, this is the one of the things that we would need to come to is that you can. And he even said at the end of that message, he says, you can have all the teaching. And he said, even be taught in this message and still not have the person of eternal life, a personal walk with him. And I, I think he separated that so perfectly and showed us for the future. This has to be more than just do's and don'ts. This has to be more than just what we're trying to do as a duty. Can you say, man? It has to be deeper than that. And you know how, what it is? It's a person. It's a personal walk with him. It's a personal relationship with him. And if we lose that, we lose everything. So I just appreciate our brother last night bearing his heart to us and what God showed him way up in the airplane there. And uh, we, I, I say, praise the Lord, Brother John. Thank you so much for that. It was ministered to me, and I really enjoyed it. A few months ago, um, I was, well, actually during the COVID, I began to read the book of Jonah. It's not very long. And uh, as I was reading, I realized uh, how mysterious it was, a book. And we, we, we know enough to know as the bride of Christ that we can't overlook any part of the Scripture because it all speaks of Jesus Christ. So there's no filler pages or filler chapters in the Bible. And we know that as a bride. They might do that in other places and other Christians may do that. But there's no filler chapters and it all expresses Jesus Christ. So knowing that, I kept reading it and then I would leave it, leave it alone and I'd go back and forth. And it's, it's quite a mysterious way that Jonah's second chapter of his life ends and really, the whole story is a bit strange. And all of you know it from Sunday school. 
uh, it, the whole thing is, you know, when you have God speaking to a big fish to swallow his son and bring him back to his perfect will, and God speaking to a fish and telling the fish to spit him out and vomit him out on the, on the shores, this is just not a normal story. Um, it, very strange things happen, strange things are done, and, and, and things that we would probably say that we don't see God in those things, and yet throughout the chapters we see God was in everything. God was behind it all. And it might be a lesson to us to learn that we de- never underestimate what God can be doing in our lives, in the details of our life, we should never underestimate God being behind something in order to teach sons, in order to grow sons and daughters of God. Because for sons of God and daughters of God, He will not allow you to stay shallow. He will not allow you to stay with a surface relationship. He will not allow you to just have some message that you smear on the outside and you've known this since a child, so you do it. He will not allow you to stay that way. He will keep dealing with you as a son until you come into a deeper relationship with him. And this is what we find in the story, and it's very strange things. And the prophet said, what a sad ending. He said to himself, what a sad ending. It seemed like, and and it gets worse as you read it on. The ending of the story doesn't seem like it ends right. And, you know, we Americans are are used to happy endings, you know. Uh, We're the Disney culture. Where they live happily ever after, and we're taught that the story has to have a happy ending. I'm telling you, Jonah, it doesn't look like it has a happy ending at all. We're always looking to, you know, just just to have everything. Just uh, I should say it this way: we're always looking to see things in our way. But this is a lesson to be submissive and surrender to God's way and how God wants it. Can you say, man? And, and so God is, and, and, and just to say something, God is interested in fulfilling His Word. He's not out just to make our lives more convenient. I'll say it again. I don't, I'll stand with no amens. God has an agenda to fulfill His Word in your life, not to make things all warm and fuzzy and convenient for you and make everything turn out the way that you want it. So these are some of the things that we learn. And it does not end up uh, normal what happens here with Jonah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I kept reading it and then I'd leave it alone for a couple months and reading it during the COVID time and just, just going back and forth. And then it began to open more. And, and I just want to touch on it a bit this morning, particularly in the area that Brother John was in last night. And I want to talk about the personal work of God with Jonah, the personal work of God. And I, I just want to summarize some things. And number one, really, Jonah ran again from the presence of the Lord. The first time he ran from the presence of the Lord. And then after he brought the message to Nineveh, then he ran from the presence of the Lord again. He was still running. And this is the message Brother Brown preached. A man running from the presence of the Lord. So it seems to be a pattern with us, as if he's an example of us all, is that the very thing that we need to stay close to and stay in his presence and stay in relationship, we're prone to run from it all the time. Our brother did so well last night to show us is that that's what he's drawing us into is this personal relationship where every, it's not a part of a group anymore. It's not about a group anymore. It's about you and God. 
And he keeps drawing us into that. But we have so many distractions and so many diversions and so much media and so much things that we have access to. And all the while, God keeps calling us to a personal relationship with him. And that it's not about a group, but it's about a personal relationship that you be close to him. And this is this is the part that I want to talk about because he's running from the presence of the Lord again. And although he spoke the message and he was done speaking the message, he personally, Jonah, was not all in yet. He was held back in his heart from this what it was personally to him and a personal relationship with the God of the message. He could say the message to other people, fulfilling his duty and doing what he was supposed to do. But Jonah had an attitude towards the people and actually an attitude towards God. And uh, it reminds me of what he dealt with in Peter uh, after he had the Holy Ghost. He had prejudice in his heart towards the Gentiles. We find the same thing here. And God would not leave it alone. Even Peter, after he got the Holy Ghost, said, there's something laying in Peter that I have to deal with or he can't be as effective in the ministry the way he's supposed to be. Now, he may not deal with anybody else with prejudice, but for a believer, he will not leave that alone. He said, Peter, I'm going to have to deal with this. And how many knows how he dealt with it? And then when God dealt with it and Peter humbled himself, then it was so powerful that when he was preaching to the Gentiles, the Holy Ghost fell on that place while he was preaching the word and birthed him in the kingdom of God. There was no altar call there. Can you say, man, while he spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. But he couldn't be effective that way if he held something there in his heart. He couldn't be as effective. How many want to be effective for the kingdom of God? How many want your words to have power in them? About 50% of us. All right. Praise the Lord. I'll take 50%. So he could say to the message to other people, he could quote the message, he, he could fulfill his duty, but he had an attitude of anger and he had an attitude that needed to be corrected. Another point is the message he preached was to the masses, to the group. It was a message of mercy and judgment. And that's what our message is too. It's, it's, it's not just, the message itself went to the whole world. Can you say amen? And God's not willing that any should perish. He opens the door through Noah. He preached it. Get in the ark. Get in the ark. 120 years. And he offered it to everybody. Even though not everybody came in, God offered it to everybody. We shouldn't be exclusive to who this message goes to. We just need to pray. And whoever it comes to, may God lead them in. Can you say amen? So now it's a message of mercy and judgment, but then it turned from a group. As you watch this story, it turned from the group and the Ninevites and to, to the masses. It turned then to a personal work with Jonah himself. It turned from a public message to, to something that was private, Brother John, and personal, dealing with Jonah just himself because he was lacking a deeper surrender. Another point is God released forgiveness to the Ninevites because they repented. He released his compassion to them. He released his forgiveness to them. But Jonah would not personally release forgiveness to them. And forgiveness is not forgiveness until it's released. Forgiveness, are you listening? Forgiveness can be held back. 
But God did not hold it back from the Ninevites, even though Jonah felt like Jonah felt like he had an attitude towards them and he felt like none of this should have came out this way and all the things. And if you read the commentaries on Jonah and I read all those things and looked into his life and there's a lot of reasons. Brother Bram commented that the Ninevites were very, uh, you know, he, he, he was one, didn't want to go to the Gentiles and Ninevites. And then if you read Jonah's life, they were so mean to the Jews. The Ninevites were particularly mean to the Jews. They had done things for years to the Jews to put them down, make fun of them. So now he calls Jonah to go to those people that have put him down and bullied them and said all these things for hundreds of years and now he calls him to take this message and his attitude was now this message it's not for them it doesn't belong to them they don't deserve it at all but surprisingly enough the people the king and all the people repented you don't see that a lot today. Can you say amen? But they repented and said, God help us. We don't want to be destroyed. And he did turn the whole country into repentance. And a surprise to Jonah, it wasn't a surprise to God. But I'll tell you, when they all did it, can you say amen? God forgave them and says, I won't destroy you because of your repentance. We don't see a lot of that today. But I'll tell you this, when you see true repentance, you ought to jump onto it and say, thank God. God's still moving on people. Thank God there's still some to come. The very reason we're still here is there's still some seed of God to come. Somebody say praise the Lord. And forgiveness is not forgiveness until it's released. Jonah was lacking something further that God would work in him until he had it. He needed to be moved in his heart with compassion. That's said a couple times of Jesus. That he looked upon the multitudes and he was moved. He was moved. Brother John mentioned last night, we lose our feeling. We lose that personal thing. We lose our compassion. But you see now Jesus, when he looked on them, he was moved, stirred with compassion. If we lose that, if the, if the, if social media and our media in this world numbs us to feeling the presence of God and feeling the need of others, we're in trouble. How many raise your hand and say that's what it can do? I try to teach young people, you know, they want to dabble in movies and all these other things, but, and even if you watched a bunch of decent ones, the, the movies and the media and the music has a way, I don't know how it is, but it has a way of numbing us to being spiritual. It, 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 it steals this sensitivity to God. And I don't know how all that works, but I know by experience that's the way it works. It numbs us to spiritual things. It causes us not to be able to hear the voice of God. It causes us to have a very shallow walk with the Lord. And that's when somebody matures and said, listen, I need to get rid of these things out of my life. Every once in a while I might watch something decent, but I'm not going to be full of it because I'm, it's more important to me to stay in a close, spirit-filled relationship with the Lord. We can talk all day long about this is bad and that and stay away from that. But you see, a person has to make a personal decision to say what's more important to me. Can I get more amens this morning? Because it can numb you to spiritual things and numb you to the presence of the Lord. You come to church and you don't even feel as you're not moved anymore. You're not moved with compassion. You're not moved with love and feeling towards the next. As a matter of fact, if you keep getting cold, then in the church, tensions begin to pop up and you you lose your feeling for other members. The guy across the aisle there, you can't even speak to him anymore. And it's because we become cold and formal. Can you say, man? But Jesus was moved with compassion. May God help us not to lose our feeling. 
Is this okay this morning? I want to remind us, we can be critical of Jonah, but the prophet said he's an example of us all. And so none of you are left out. It's a type of our life as sons of God. Jonah is a type of our life. It's part of our spiritual biography, as it were. And the prophet said he was not a backslider. He was not an unbeliever. And Jonah gets a bad rap. Jonah gets a bad thing. That person is just a Jonah. Brother Bram says, I take up for him. I take up for Jonah. And if he took up for Jonah, maybe he'll take up for me. Praise the Lord. But with all his bad and all this stuff we see, his life held a mystery. Everything that we see there, you have to read between the lines and see his life. Matter of fact, the big mystery, the first chapter of his life, by Jesus' own words, he reflected the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said to the Jews, you want to see a sign? You'll receive the sign of Jonas. He was three days in the belly of the the big fish there. And he came out speaking of Jesus' resurrection. So as bad as we look at Jonah, his life while he was living it out was a type of the mystery of Christ. And at the end of the Old Testament, it climaxed in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? It climaxed in a resurrection. Jonah's life spoke of that. But the end of Jonah's life, this is the part you may not buy into this morning, but the end of his life to me is a type of the final of the last of the New Testament. And that's where God takes a bride and begins to deal with her and bring her into a compassion and bring her into what she needs to come into. To have a victory in divine love. Because it not that the ultimate? Jonah needed, you know what, we can talk all about, but he just needed the victory in divine love. He was a believer. He took the message. He... he but he needed a victory in his own personal life. So even the last part, the last chapter I read to you, it looks like there is, there's just, this is, this is a defeat. Deep, deep within it, it speaks of the mystery of the last days. And it speaks of Jesus Christ being manifested. <clears throat> I won't speak a lot about it at the beginning of his life because most of you heard so much of that through Sunday school and through the different ministers and that speak about it, but God taught him something. But God taught him at the beginning of his life, you can't run from the presence of the Lord because when you begin to run, how many can raise your hand and say, I've certainly learned that part. I can't run. I've tried to run and I can't run. I tried to run and hide, but you can't run and you can't hide from God's mercy. He's going to come and get you. If you're a son and daughter of God, you can come hard, you come come easy, but you're coming. You're coming. Because Jesus said, all the Father hath given me will come. So you'll come hard, you'll come easy, but you're coming. And Jonah learned it well that every time I run away, God taught him. God was everywhere bringing this man back to the Word. God was in the boat, Brother Bram said. God was in the fish. Can you say amen? God was in a storm that made the door, the boat all mess up. And it was the grace of God that kept dealing with such unfaithfulness in a man. All of his ups and downs, all of his running, all of his in and out. And God kept being in everything to get him back into the will of God. If that is not a biography of your life, I don't know who you are, but it's a biography of my life. God will never let me go. God will never stop working through things that I may not see him in. But God's in that to work on a son of God. He came through a great lesson. 
And he learned, we we thought he learned those things, but then he supernaturally survives three days in a big fish. I don't know how, except the grace of God, he he would do that. And then he's vomited out on the shores of Nineveh. And God provided transportation even back to his responsibility through a fish. And he now takes his responsibility. He preaches the message to the Ninevites. And and you think everything is good now and that all has been corrected. And that's all the correction Jonah needed. He's, he's taken the message now and he's done his duty. And you think that's all the correction this man's needed. And it's, it's not all the correction he needs. He's still a mess. There's deeper things in Jonah that's quite surprising that's got to come out and be corrected. It would be nice if Jonah is settled now, but he's not settled. It should have been enough. That fourth chapter should have read completely different than what it reads in my eyes. God's saying, I forgive them all. Let's rejoice. They've repented. Chapter 4 should have started with, and Jonah raised his hands to God and said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. God has made those people repent. And he was shouting on the hill. That's the way it should have read. That's why I was so frustrated last year reading this. God, this doesn't fit. I don't even know how to preach this. It doesn't end exciting. But you see, if we look deeper... We can see a lot of ourselves, a lot of our attitude. We were teasing at the breakfast table yesterday. He was, Brother John, was talking about medical terms that we could use to preach on and type it with spiritual. He was going to talk about spiritual amnesia. And, uh, what's the other one? Huh? Dementia, spiritual dementia. I said, my dad, he used to preach a sermon, hardening of the attitudes. Talk about the heart. But I'm on it this morning a little bit because Jonah had a hardening of an attitude. He was a believer. He took the message. He did his duty. But his attitude was pretty bad. I know that's not any of you, but anyway, it was Jonah. Never wasn't all fully in the message himself in a personal thing. He he didn't get a full surrender to it. He was always... Just hesitant, and he should have read that he was rejoicing. Instead, he gets up on a hill. See, Lord, I told you they would repent, and he's reminding God of what he said. Goes up and lays in the sun off the top of the hill, just away from everything. He might have should have been down there just rejoicing with the Ninevites and saying, God bless you, brother. Praise the Lord. We're glad you have you in the kingdom of God. But he distanced himself. Distanced himself from the whole thing. And he is away, and he's, he gets angry. And, and one of the reasons Brother Bram says, and man from the presence of those, so we can understand, he said the reason, the principal reason that I believe that he did this great thing here was because Jonah was a Jew and he was asked to go to a Gentile city to cry out against it, thinking that he would not be received because the Gentiles would think, what's this Jew got to do with us? But you see another thing, it gives us a great thing here to see, that God is not only God of the Jew, but he's God also of the Gentile. He's God of all people. Now, I know that's funny to say that he's saying here in 1965 and something I think we need to remember, God is not just the God of the Jew. He's the God of all people. Why would you say that, Brother Paul? Because in our pride sometimes, we can get selective who's going to receive this thing. And and we have to remember our God is a God of all people. And, And Jonah possibly had some pride 
and prejudice that this was not for them. It's not for everyone. Don't you ever think this message is exclusive. I know why you're quiet. But don't you ever think this message is just exclusive and you hold it back from somebody. Everybody deserves a chance to hear the truth. We have preached so much. It's for the elect. It's for the elect. And we know that. That is 100% truth. It's for the elect. It's, the message is only for the elect. But that's true. But you don't know who the elect is. Can you say amen? That's the part we have to remember. It is only for the elect. But you don't know. And I'm telling you, none of us know who the elect is. And I believe Brother Perry Green, he taught me this when I was a young man. I was in his church there for a few years and in his school. And uh, he had a lot of good things sometimes to say and mentored me a bit, gave me my first car. It was a great big 71 Newport. It took up two lanes, you know, it was huge. But it's the only one he had out on the parking lot. And he says, you can have that one. And I was glad to have it at 16 years old. It was a big old boat. I mean, I could fit 50 young people in there. And he, gave, you know, he had some special things that he did and also said to me. But you know one thing he said? And he brought hundreds if not thousands to the message. And it was simply because he says he said that, that the message, he approached it that this message is for everyone. And everyone deserves to hear it at least once. You see, we can hold back. We can get exclusive. We can think they'll never receive this. We don't have a right to say that. We had, a, we had a couple boys stumble in our church since we have the new facility. People are checking us out and stopping by. And we had a couple boys. And these boys are rough-looking boys, you know, the tattoos and all that. And, uh, you know, I've taught my church. We just bring them in the presence of God. You don't give them no elevator look. Amen? And they come in. And I remember one Wednesday night, Brother Brandon was speaking. Both of them, they were, their Holy Spirit came down just to a little teaching service. And that boy, he just began to break in the presence of God. He works for a liquor store. His life is a mess, an alcoholic himself. And he just come over, went over to the side because he was too embarrassed to cry in front of everybody. And went over there. I just seen him, the tears, and just weeping, just coming down. And I went over and prayed with him. And that boy and the other boy is coming every service now. And if you seen him, you just, you wouldn't. But you see, we don't have a right to look at the outward. Good thing somebody didn't look at you and not tell the message to you. I'd like to see some of your pictures. Have you seen Brother Barry's? Never mind. No, we won't do that. <laughs> I've seen some of his. I tell you, it's the grace of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, you know, we, we get into this. I don't want to take too much time on this. But, you know, I believe what Brother Perry said. Everyone should have a chance to hear it. And we don't withhold it, can you say amen? We don't, we, we don't withdraw by certain people. We just withdraw our love that we claim to already have. And we don't release it to certain ones. Sometimes people release it to everybody out in the grocery stores and everything, but they won't release their love to somebody in the assembly. They withhold it to somebody within the assembly. You don't have a right to do that. You might be withholding your your uh, compassion and love for your your pastor. I don't know. I, I don't know, but you don't have a right to do that. To give it to everybody else and be selective who you release your love to. 
Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? We don't have a right to do that. And that's where we need to grow to say, this this is not something that I control and micromanage. I'm here to be a spirit-filled believer available at any time to express the truth and express love to somebody. I'm not talking about tolerance and I'm not talking about tolerating sin. I'm talking about releasing the compassion and love to bring this truth to somebody. The Word of God... He comes and preaches the word. I want to get into a little segment here. The word of God, he says through the message, we'll destroy this place in 40 days. He says it. And, and, and out of the clear blue, they weren't destroyed. God repents for saying it. Now, in, in the message now, God doesn't call a man to judgment without first warning. And Brother Brown gets into this and then he comments on Jonah. And so I want to get into this just a minute without reading all the quotes, just to because some of you can just come along with it real quickly. But he gets into this and he comments on Jonah. But in that message, God doesn't call a man to judgment without warning him first. He he, he gets into Hezekiah and he, in, in Isaiah 38. And Isaiah the prophet told him, go, said, go set your house in order because your days are numbered. You're going to die. All right. And so then we find that he he says, but I don't have time. God, give me more time. And God, it appears, changes his mind. <laughs> Change, it appears to change his mind. And he comes and says, now tell him I'll give him 15, I'll give him 15 more years. So you know that whole story. But here's what I want to catch. Brother Brown begins to elaborate on how difficult it was for the, pro- the prophet to process what God was doing. Not the people, a prophet couldn't understand why he said, go say, thus saith the Lord. And now it looks like God's changing his mind. God didn't really change his mind, but it's not, are you catching? It's not coming out the way the prophet thought it in his mind it would come out. And this is the point I want to get to with Jonah and with us. We don't micromanage how things are going to come out. There's people that have taken and dissected this thing and everything the prophet said and tried to get the date. He didn't get the dates right and didn't do this right and this right and tried to throw the baby out with the bathwater and all these other things. But see, God's not interested in making things come out the way we think they should come out. God is God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we don't know how he'll fulfill his will. We believe it that he's going to do it. And so he comments on Hezekiah and he says it must have been hard on the prophet. And then he goes in, he says, now, he said, if there's anything in that, then he's obligated to come back to the man that he sent, thus saith the Lord to. He told Hezekiah, go back there and tell him that he's go- I'll, I'll spare his life now or I'll give him more years. And then Brother Bram goes, now, Jonah, I don't know if you ever read this. Jonah took a different attitude. He gets up on the top of the hill and says, well, it'd be good if I was never born. And oh, how he went on. And God had a little gourd to come up and make him some shade till he got cooled off up there. But he said, now here, I went down there and they're going to say, I'm a false prophet. So this is what Jonah's thinking. I said, thus saith the Lord, 40 days, you're finished. And now you've repented for saying that and you're going to give them grace and mercy. But I'm going to look like the bad guy. Anybody notice that this is a very self-focused person? I know none of you are that way, but this is a very self-focused person. He's watching out for his own back. 
He's watching how he's going to look in the eyes of the Ninevites. He goes on to say, he says, he said, I, I went down there and they're, they're going to say now that I'm a false prophet. And God spoke to him and said, look at that city down there. Look, look at here, Jonah. He's up on the hill. And God says, look down there in Nineveh. Look what's happening. That whole city is repenting with sackcloth and ashes. And then he told him about the little gourd and the worm that cut it down. One day, the Lord willing, I want to come to the tabernacle and take a series just on Jonah. And there's great many things. He said, there's great many. That east wind blowing. I took a sermon on that. And oh my, there's so many things in there. It's thrilling. Them nuggets in there. It's all types right in and fits. It even brings Jesus Christ in it and everything else. Of course, every line in the Bible brings Jesus Christ. He's referring to the very last verse that we thought, well, nothing's there. No, something was there because the very words he spoke about the Ninevites, he says they can't tell their left hand from their right and yet they repented and they got grace. Didn't Jesus say the same thing at the cross? He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I'll still give them mercy. They don't even know the state that they're in. We're psychoanalyzing people and they got to come through certain steps and they got to do all the things. And Jesus at the cross said, just, I'm going to release my forgiveness to them. I'm, I'm not holding it back. I'm releasing my forgiveness. Many of them hadn't even repented, but he released the forgiveness nonetheless. Anybody listening to me? And the prophet himself, Brother John, bringing up some of his weakness and his mental thing that he had there. I love to look at those, not to belittle the prophet, but to show his humanness. And he brings up in the, in, in 1963, as he come into the seals, he began to develop a complex. He was preaching the message. People weren't lining up with it. He got a complex. He considered leaving the road. And if you study it, he come through all of that while he's preaching the seals. Inwardly, there's a battle going on inside of him that he's considering leaving the ministry because the people won't listen to him. And when it was all over with, to make a long story short, God had to correct him in his attitude. He says, I'm calling all these people Ricky and Ricketta. And he says, I don't know. He says, they're people that are sincere. And some of them, in Shalom, he climaxes and he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what to do. He says, I'm convinced there's some people under such a gross darkness that they don't have a clue the state that they're in. They don't know what they're doing. And he says, I feel like Jesus at the cross. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. This darkness is a different darkness. People can be in insanity and not even realize it. So we can't be a denomination that just brings psychoanalyze people and take them through self-helps and all kinds of psychology. We can't do that. We need the presence of God brought to the people. Because we know there isn't any insanity. There isn't any trouble. There isn't any habit. There isn't any addiction. That's too big for the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that. They don't know that anymore. They forgot how powerful the gospel is. But we should know it and never withhold it from anybody. I don't care what state they're in. Jesus' blood can cleanse the vilest of sinners. And you ought to say, praise the Lord. That's what I believe. Hallelujah. May God help us to see this this morning. May God take us into a deeper compassion. But Jonah, he's withholding it. 
And you know what he says just after this? I have to take the time just to say this. He says, little nuggets in there. And Jesus Christ is expressed there at the last verse of Jonah. Chapter 4, the last verse, it's Jesus. It's Christ manifested in redemption. Redemption's in the last verse. They can't read their right hand from their left hand and the cattle. I'll tell you, his redemption covers a lot. (laughs) Brother Bram said just after he says that, he says, I want to show you another Jonah in the platform tonight. And I won't read all this, but he says, I was called on to pray for a lady. They used to come to my church. They were away from the Lord. So she's on her deathbed with her mom there and her husband. He's called in. They begin to pray. The husband gives his heart to the Lord. She comes back to God on her deathbed. And he prays the prayer of faith. And God begins to heal her. The next morning says, you probably, the doctor said, you'll probably be able to go home in the next few days. So God speaks, God just speaks through the prayer, through the faith, and it's going to happen. And then he goes away, and I don't know if it was a few weeks later or just a week later, but the, the lady's laying there getting ready to go home. And one night she says to her mom, she says, I'm going home. She said, I know, hon. Brother Bram, pray for you. We're going to take you home. No, no. She said, I'm going to my heavenly home. She said, no, 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 Brother Bram, pray. It's, 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 no, it's not over like that. Brother Bram prayed. I'm going, no, she said, no, I'm going to be going on home, mom. And she, the mom quickly grabbed the nurse, and within just a few minutes' time, she went on to glory. And somebody calls Brother Branham and lets him know about it, and I'll pick it up what he says from this point on. There's a lot of quotes in there, so you have to read it. He said, I don't know what caused me to do it, but I said, Lord God, you owe me an understanding after me going out there and telling that husband and him coming to the Lord after you'd done these things for him and all like that and then take that girl's life like that, I said, you owe me an understanding. See the humanness? You don't think some of you are that way sometimes? When things goes the opposite direction, it looks like, of what you prayed? This is supposed to happen this way and we got it all worked out and God goes completely the opposite direction. Where do you stand then? You have thoughts in your heart of bailing out? I can tell you, God's wanting you to stand faithful and hold your ground no matter what He does. And He says, Lord, you owe me understanding and Brother Bram says, when you tell God something like that, He'll leave you sitting alone. He don't owe me nothing. I'm in debt to him. Well, he just let me pout it out for a few days. God let me pout it out for a few days, you know. And after about three or four months, it just so reminds me of a Jonah. So Brother Bram says he's an example of us all. He couldn't criticize Jonah. Here he is doing the same thing, questioning God. Having a pity party and pouting. Jonah, you know, he's, he's all about convenience. So God provides this beautiful, big, huge plant and it comes way up over him and it's a lot bigger than this and it shades him from the sun. Oh, that's, that's so good. So God sees that he turned from anger within just a few hours. God grows this big plant over him and he turns from extreme anger and wanting to kill himself. In a matter of a few minutes, he gets a shade tree 
and he turns to extreme happiness. This guy is a guy of extremes. And within minutes, he can go to extreme anger, suicidal, and turn in extreme when his needs are met and it's convenient. He's so happy. And when he gets under that and he's just laying there in the presence of the sun to bake all the greenness out. Anybody see the mystery? How many times Brother Brown preached, where are we going? Where's the message going from here? He says everything's in place, but you've got to bake all the greenness out of the bride. We've got to lay in the presence of the sun to bake all the immaturities out. And so he's laying there, so God's doing it. He's so happy about this shade. He don't even know God's provided it. He didn't give the glory to God. He said, that's amazing that grew up that quick. That's a, I like that. That's real nice. And then God says, all right, all right. God's just messing with them. Because within hours, he sends a worm that night. The thing overnight eats up the whole plant. God sent the worm. Jonah didn't learn that before God was in the storm, God was in the fish, God was in the boat, God was everywhere. He still didn't learn. Now God's in the plant and God's in the worm. Can you say amen? God's in the eastern wind. He didn't learn it. So he's under there and now the next morning the plant's completely gone and he switches back to his anger and his pity party and he's coming over to the plant. It's dead and he's going, I'm so sorry for you. He has a pity party. He can't cry and rejoice because the Ninevites, he's having compassion on a stupid plant. But the Ninevites, there's no compassion for. You poor little thing. I don't know who did that to you. I can relate to how you feel. The whole world's against us and things go right and then things go so wrong. I'm having compassion on your condition. We're victims in all this. You like that, did you? We're the victims. We're always the victims. Nothing goes right. and He's sitting there and... Friends, I don't know how God, but it's just like to me, it's like he's looking at this man and going, what am I going to do with this guy? What am I going to do with him? He has zero compassion on the Ninevites who've just repented. And he's having a pity party over a plant that died. Oh, I could get into some things that we get pity over in our lives and we get mad about and we cry about. And yet there's souls that God wants you to reach. You're worried about a scratch on your truck. You're upset. You're angry because somebody scratched your truck. I don't know you, so if that happened yesterday at Walmart, you know the Lord's speaking to you. It's how we are. Just so immature sometimes. We get so consumed in victim mentality. and Oh, Lord, woe is me. Just look at this. And we pour our compassion into some material thing of life and won't speak to the other guy at church. He said, 
When you tell God something like that, he'll leave you sitting alone. He don't owe me nothing. I'm in debt to him. Well, he just let me pout it out for a few days, you know. And after about three or four months, one day I was out on the creek bank and the Lord spoke to me in a vision and said, now go, just for our visitors, that may seem odd, but if if Jesus did something to people in Bible days and gave them visions, then we don't have a right to say he can't do it today. He does do it again. So I'm just qualifying that. That was only in the Bible days. Well, who died and made you interpreter of the word? If God did anything back then, he can do it today. If God raised the dead back then, he can do it today. Because he's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when he says he has a vision, just for the visitors, you know, God can do that. And he gave him a vision there. Now he said, go to her mother and say this to the mother. Did not her time come the year before that when she was drowning in a creek on a picnic? She should have went at that time, but I had to take her when she was ready to go, God said. And that's why all of this happened and why you went out there. Then I got down and I cried and I said, Lord Jesus, forgive me, your poor, stupid servant. I should have never said that to the Lord. I should have never said those words to the Lord. I wonder how many words that we need to repent of against God or against other people that we need to repent of. Say, Lord, I should have never uttered those words. I should have never said that in front of my children. We would never call the prophet stupid. We have more respect from that. But he's saying, Lord, you're poor, stupid servant. I should have never said that. And then he went back to the lady and confirmed it was true. Imagine having to explain to the family and just say, all the thing God told me is her time to go was back then, but God held her so she could give her heart back to the Lord. So this is what he says at the end of it. God knows what he's doing. Now the Lord probably would have told me that if I hadn't have taken the attitude that I did. Lord, you owe me. Tell me about that. He don't owe you nothing. I stood in a meeting one night and heard an evangelist praying for a sick person saying, God, I command you to heal this person. Who commands God? See, it, ain't, it, isn't, it isn't even intelligent, see. Because that God, He does what He wants to. He does what He wants to. Can the clay say to the potter, Why did you make me thus? See, certainly not. But if the prophet will keep still and then seek the Lord for an answer, there is the answer there. Can you say amen? Okay, so I got to find a place to end this because this is a never-ending story with Jonah. And the lessons are never-ending. I guarantee it's, it's, uh, you can have me back and I'll do the whole thing, all right, on Jonah, if you'd like, if you take me up to Boeing Rock to that restaurant again. But <laughs> to make deals, you know. And food has to be included. Jonah's anger and attitude was toward the people, but really toward God. He looked bad in front of Nineveh. But see, friends, he's learning. This, this message isn't about us. It's about God fulfilling what he wants to do in this generation. God's not just arranging things to try to make you everything turn out the way that you want it. 
Things don't come out like we plan. Can you say amen? People don't repent like, like we want. People don't come like they want. They don't come as quick as we want. People, our children don't come back as quick as we want. God is not trying to make your life easier for you just so that you trust Him more. God's not trying to do that. God's not nervous about that. Sometimes it will go the other way as we planned it until we learn to trust. And that we're all in. No matter what happens, we're all in. We're submissive. We're surrendered to Him. We want to stay close to Him. Even if we don't feel Him, we want to stay close to Him. He wants submission of His sons. The anger was that it didn't happen like He thought. But His ways are higher than our ways. Can you say amen? I mean, to me, you know, reading this story and after Joan acted this way, to me, he'd have been fired early on. He'd have been fired. If I was in charge of that, this whole thing, Jonah would have been fired after his actions. And then to be angry about Nineveh, I'd say, fire this guy. Get on a zip recruiter or something and find a new recruit. Look at him. He runs from God. He has ill feelings towards the Gentiles, towards Nineveh. He thinks he's better. He's mad because God gave them mercy, which will make his prophecy look bad to them. He's self-focused. He's extremely happy one moment. He's extremely sad the next. He's extremely happy then again. Then he's extremely, and then he's suicidal. He forgets the supernatural way God backed him up. He was unfaithful. He was never fully on board. He was suicidal. He was upset that the outcome from the message was not turning out the way that he thought. And I would say, let's just lose this guy and let's finish the book of Jonah without him. That's what I, I'm just being honest with you. When I look at that story, I say, let's just finish the whole book a little bit more exciting than this, and let's lose Jonah. Problem is, his name's on the book. I said, his name's on the book. It's called Jonah. So you can't lose him. If your name is on the book, God can't lose you. Hallelujah. No matter how much we want to lose somebody else and put somebody else out, if their name is on the book, God will never give up on that person. God will keep dealing with that person. And He will deal personally with you. It's not the public show, as our brother said last night. It's not to the masses now. But God is dealing personally, one-on-one. You young people, don't ever think you're a part of a group. I'm a part of this chat. I'm a part of this group, online group. This isn't about a chat group or an online group or some group or you're going to make the rapture because you're in Brother Barry's church. This isn't about that. God is wanting to deal personally with you. And have a relationship with you. That if all the other young people fail, you'll stand true full of the Holy Ghost. This is a personal. And this message shows it of Jonah. That he moved from a message that went to to all those people. To one person that God is dealing with. And I'll keep dealing with them. And I'll stay with them. Because his name is on the book. His name is on the book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's impossible to erase any names. I probably would have erased Jonah. But it's impossible to erase names that are in the Lamb's book of life. Let me say it again. It's impossible to erase names that are in the Lamb's book of life. No matter what they've been through and how their attitude, God will correct their attitude because He loves us enough to do it. But their names cannot be erased. 
He's tutoring son. He's child training his sons and daughters. This is an age of adoption. I, I personally believe it, you're not fully adopted just when you receive the Holy Ghost. You're birthed by the Holy Ghost. You receive the spirit of adoption. And God brings you to a full adoption through maturity and growth. It's just the way I believe it. But we are in the age now. It's not just that God is birthing us into his kingdom. He's growing sons into maturity. Burning the selfishness out. Burning the lack of compassion out. Burning everything else out until we come to a victory in divine love. I don't withhold my forgiveness from anybody. I don't withhold my compassion from anybody. If it's in me, I release it to all who want it. Can you say amen? All this of Christ lays within me, but I don't have a right to hold it. Let it be released to all those people. No matter what condition they're in, no matter how much they've done me wrong, no matter how much they've bullied me, no matter how much that person's online and tearing down the message, we don't have a right to write them off. Can you say amen? God turns his focus to Jonah. I'm I'm, I'm finding this. I'm looking. Trust me. I'm looking for a place to end this. Jonah got mad because he wanted things a certain way. But the Bible says in Isaiah 55, you know, there's, there's this, before I read that, there's a statement that Dr. Anthony Evans says. A couple things. He's talking about people going through severe problems and death and loss and different things. And one thing he said is that if you leave God during a problem, you still are left with your problem. And then he says, I like this one even better. He said, I would rather throw my lot in with a God who I don't understand sometimes than throw my lot in with men. I thought that was good. I would rather throw my lot in and serve God with all of my heart and serve a God that I don't understand sometimes and he's silent sometimes and he don't give me the reasons why I'd rather serve him with all my heart than put my lot in with men. Or try to listen to somebody on the internet and follow that kind of lead. I'd rather serve this God. Can you say amen? I said that quote, Brother Branham said, uh, he says, I, if, he said, if I serve the Lord and knew, and knew that I was, people are saying, don't take your coat off, clothes, so I'll keep it on. I'm hot, but if, if, if I take my coat off, it's a sign and people are going, oh my goodness, he's just getting started. So I will be polite. Even though I'm hot and I'm going to keep it on, that will make me close. Because the hotter I get, i got to stop preaching sometimes. I told this story up in Minneapolis about 15 years ago. And I was preaching and I said, what Brother Ram said, he says, if I knew that I was going to go to hell at the end of this journey, I'd still serve him with all my heart the rest of my life. If I knew I was going to hell, I'd still serve the Lord with all my heart. Reminds me of something my dad said. My dad said, there's no better way to live in this life than this message. He said, if I knew there wasn't anything to it at the end, I'd still raise my children this way. But the truth is, like our brother said last night, this, this ends pretty good. Can you say, man? This ends in a millennium, a thousand years of peace, a honeymoon with the bride in Christ. Can you say, man? It's a promise in his word. So there is a reward. But if we didn't get a reward, it's still the best way to live and the best way to raise families. 
But Brother Bram, I quoted in there, and there was a boy that come in the back seat. He'd been backside for, backslid for several years, and he come in that night to church on a, on a Sunday night or whenever it was, and he had the agenda. He says, I want to come in and I want to take all the young people to a movie after church, and that's, that's why he came to church. I'm going to get out in the parking lot and influence them all to go to a movie because there's a movie showing. I don't know what kind of movie it is, but anyway, whatever. That's what he came to church for, and he gets me. I'm preaching, and in the middle of the sermon, I say that, you know what? I believe this one. If God sends me to hell, I'm still going to preach, and I'm still going to live this word and serve him with all of my heart. Yes. So the service ends. He goes out. He does what he does, takes some of the young people in the movie. Does it. About five years later, he comes up to me. He's saved. He's sanctified. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, Brother Paul, you know, want to know what it is? He said, I didn't hear the rest of your sermon. I didn't care what you were preaching. But he said, for five years, I could not get away from that stupid comment that you made. I said, well, I didn't make it. The prophet made it. I know, I know. But he says, I could not get away. What kind of man would say something like that, that they knew they were going to hell, and he's going to serve the Lord with all of his heart anyway? He said, I couldn't get away with it. It gnawed at me until I had to give a full surrender to the Lord. Lives in Johnson City with his wife. Got a lovely family and children. Still serving the Lord. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. So I say that to say is that sometimes we don't know what we're saying. But sometimes, sometimes God can work through us. Can you say amen? And I would rather throw my lot in with a God who I don't understand. Isaiah 55 says, you know it very well, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. People who are criticizing what Brother Bram said better watch. If this is God, his word will not return void. And it may not be coming out like you think it should, but if it's God's word, you're in trouble on Judgment Day. You're in a bad, bad position, aligning yourself against it if this is God's word. Because God says, it won't return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please. Notice he says, what I please. Not what you please. The way that I want to bring it out. The way that I want to do it. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. How many can say praise the Lord? Friends, I see my life in Jonah. I am not a perfect person by any means. I'm not, I don't know what people call super spiritual. I, you know, we have all these terms and stuff. I'm a human being. I've seen myself so much in Jonah in so many ways. I Hopefully you've seen it. We, I'm, I, I have weaknesses that I bring to the Lord. I'm not, I'm not talking about sin now. I'm just talking about weaknesses. I bring them to the Lord. But when I've seen this, I've seen redemption. And I see Him, especially the last few years, dealing with me personally. Is He dealing with you personally? Because I, I need a lot of things. I, I went for a test the other day. 
uh, to be tested for patients, and it came back neg- negative. I have a problem with patients. I told the church I woke up. I, I say this not to be funny, but just to show our humanness. I woke up a Sunday morning just an hour before I was going to go preach, and I had a dream. And it was a dream that there was a UFO coming to pick me and my wife up. We would be the only ones that could get on it. You know, this is my dream an hour before I'm going to preach to the people. I say, I have these things sometimes. I say, Lord, can I have any more spiritual dreams than this? Please, after all these years, I'm 55. Please give me some spiritual dreams. UFO, and so we're getting ready for it to come down. This is just as vivid as anything. And so I get worried about, will we have enough snacks on the (laughs) UFO? I do. I'm saying, honey, what if they don't have snacks on there? And how do we charge our cell phones? I'm thinking this in my dream just as clear as anything. Do we need to? And so we have this market, and I'm going through the market, grabbing all the snacks I can, and do we need a cell phone charge, or do they just charge themselves on a UFO? I'm serious, and I'm finding all these snacks, and I'm grabbing them and getting bags and bags. But while I am getting my stuff together, the stairs come down from the UFO. My wife goes up, and I watch her go up, and the door closes, and I miss it. I'm serious, and then I wake up. You can imagine how I feel. I had a sister in my church say, there is a spiritual meaning to that dream, brother. Because she knows my problem, you know. What's your priorities here? Lose the snacks and get serious about your trip out of here. I know you laugh at that, and I, I'm, you know, here it is on worldwide internet. I like to think of me as being spiritual in people's eyes, but you, you see now in Jonah, there's a humanness there. And the humanists will always be there, but the parts that God needs to change to be effective for his kingdom, he will personally deal with you until this stuff is dissolved in your heart. Aren't you glad for the love of God that works this way? It's not a group thing. Not I'm a part of Hickory Bible, so I'm going. No, no, this is an individual, personal, face-to-face, Brother John. This is a face-to-face relationship with the Lord. I trust that you'll surrender to it. Say, oh, I want to know you more. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. Can you sing it? Oh, I want to know you. To fill your heart and know your mind. Looking in your eyes stirs up within me. Cries that say, I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you more. Give me a key, Sister Becky. Oh, probably a G, I imagine. Oh, I'm sorry, I know. E flat or D? D? Oh, I want to know you more. Let's stand together, if you would. Deep within my soul, I want to know you. 
Step higher. Sing it with all your heart now. I could search for all eternity. 
say God's speaking to hearts. Uh, this has just been so special. So I guess you'd, you'd almost use the word intimate. This is it's just a personal thing. It's, it's not, we have to get over this group idea that, you know what, we're safe because we're part of a group. I'll tell you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter really. It's you and God. That's what it's coming down to. Sing this now. serve you than to throw our lot in with men, to throw our lot in with politics, to throw our lot in with the path that this world is on. Father, we are thankful that you have called us, you predestinated us, you set us on a right path. And Lord, may we learn to live in this world in a way that what happens around us 
doesn't influence us to be dull to the voice of God. But Lord, we'd always be spiritual minded, Lord. We'd always be spiritually sensitive. And Father, I just thank you that you have so clearly and wonderfully spoken to us. And now in Jesus' name, I pray that you would give each one of us, Lord, through through these thoughts that you've laid before us, Lord, in the last two services that, Lord, we just had that determination that you indeed are in control. And there's nothing that happens to the bride of Christ that's out of your jurisdiction. But Lord, you are completely and totally in control. Father, you're able to take a fish and move us from one place to another and turn it all out to be the perfect will of God. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your ways are greater than our ways. And we submit to that, Lord. Lead us in your will, I pray. And Father, we trust and trust and believe, Lord Jesus, that you have our best interest at heart. We love you and we thank you, Lord give you thanks and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. I'm gonna make it. He's already said that I would. And I That he's working everything for my good. He walks beside me, and heaven is in my view. so good. I'm gonna make it. He's already said that I'm good. And I'll keep on Inside me, and heaven is in my view. Oh, I'm gonna make it through. Praise the Lord. You glad you came to church today? Hold on to this. Hold on to this. We have one more service tonight. Brother John's going to speak for us tonight again at 5. And so don't eat too much dessert. Don't get too tired. Come expecting tonight and let's just see what the Lord has for us again. We appreciate these ministers coming, especially on a holiday weekend. And Paul, remember that he and I, I was, you know, he, he wanted to bow out. He said, you got Brother John and, you know, you, you don't need me and I'll, I'll just stay. I'm coming for the men's meeting. So... Don't want to come, but he changed his mind. I'm glad he changed his mind. 
because he probably knew we were having snacks at the end of the services. <laughs> That's my thought, anyway. That's my thought. God bless you as you go. Uh, we'll gather in a couple of minutes, and, and we have lunch for everybody. Uh, so uh, join us, and uh, we'll be uh, just uh, having a word of prayer over there before we begin. So uh, we are glad to have all of you uh, this afternoon. God bless you. It's just been good to be in the house of the Lord. We could end it right here. You know what? And we could, we could honestly say it's been good for us to be in the house of the Lord over this last couple of days. But he still has more. And so uh, we, we just want to uh, just embrace it all and enjoy it all and, uh, and thank him for it. <clears throat> Let's sing this uh, chorus. We'll change the speed a little bit. We're drinking at the springs of living water here. And uh, we'll sing this as we go this morning. And may God bless you. <clears throat> in the barren land of sin and shame. Nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came where springs of living water did abound. Sing it as you go. Oh, I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I my soul is satisfied Drinking at the springs of living water Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply How sweet the living water from the hills 